Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18+. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon. This is Friday, June 3rd, and I am Chickie Fitzgerald, the founder of the Executive Girlfriends Group, and our guest today is a dear friend of mine, Ginger Carrot, and she wrote a book called A Woman's Path to Inner Beauty, and it's actually a devotional book, and it's got, uh, you can just flip open to whatever whatever topic uh, hits you for the day. And uh, before I let Ginger introduce herself, I actually would like to read uh, one of her devotionals uh, because it talks about the power of community. I love what I once heard at a Steve Otterburn Lose It for Life conference. If you could have done it by yourself, you would have. When a problem is born in isolation, it must be uprooted by fellowship. When you're secretly binging, purging, or living in silent shame of any kind, God would love to see you reach out to someone else for support. Share your secret, ask someone to walk alongside you, join a support group, or find a counselor. The power of community is so much greater than our willpower and determination. My life bears witness to this. I wanted to be a real runner, but I didn't make much progress until I invited two athletic women to meet me every Saturday morning for a run. When we started, I was so slow when I jogged that they walked beside me. Today, we have participated in races of all lengths and types. I even beat one of my friends. Okay, she was injured during the race, but I knew I had a good chance when I saw one. These women have been the ones I've spilled my private sins to, the sins I struggled with alone for so long. When an old boyfriend began contacting me, these women listened through my my thoughts and temptations. When the economy went sour, I explained my financial situation and they made suggestions about what services I could eliminate. If it were not for these women and the community we formed, I would have ended up broke, out of shape, and handling a troubled marriage alone. Because I invited a community into my isolation, I walked through those circumstances in peace and freedom. Sin lost its terror and temptation lost its allure. Please don't underestimate the power of community. When we reach out to others, we open our arms to healing. And Ginger begins each one of these devotions with uh, with a scripture version, and, and then at the end, just a, a short prayer that you can say. And, and this one hit me so much because the Executive Girlfriends Group is all about community, and, and uh, people come in and out of our, our regulars. But uh, I think everyone has realized that uh, this is one of the things that does help nourish uh, both our body and our soul. So, Ginger, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Boy, talk about coming full circle. No kidding, no kidding. So uh, let me just give, again, the brief introduction. Ginger and I, uh, I want to say it had to have been almost 15 years ago because I Mm -hmm. started trying to have my daughter about a year and a half before I actually got pregnant. And Ginger and I were in, in a group called Ladies in Waiting. And we had about, I don't know, 12 women in the Atlanta area at the time, uh, which is where uh, Ginger still lives and where I lived at the time. And it was interesting because over the course of, of two years, every single one of those women ended up getting pregnant. 
Um, so anyway, Ginger and I have known each other quite a long time since my daughter is now 13. And and yours is uh, your your son, is that it? Yep, my son is 11. Yeah. About 11 and change. Yeah, great. Yeah. Well, Ginger, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then uh, I'd like you to talk about this book, but I also want to talk a little bit about your other books. Sure. Well, um, thanks again for having me. And uh, I'm the author of 14 books, and some of those have been ghost-written or collaborations with uh, celebrities. And um, I didn't have any background necessarily in writing, but just before I met Chicky, I had been uh, pregnant with our first child, and I was in a devastating car accident, and we lost the pregnancy. And I remember the doctors coming in, you know, you think that you know the worst, but then it seems like the bottom can always fall out. And the doctor said, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but because of a a birth defect that we found while we were doing surgery, um, he said, you'll never be able to get pregnant again. And I I, I don't understand exactly how you got pregnant the first time, but I can assure you that you won't be able to have children. So I went from losing my first baby to um, knowing that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant again. And the devastation and the grief filled me. I just, um, no matter where I reached out to, other women or or bookstores, I really couldn't find anything that just comforted my spirit. Um, So I began journaling and journaling things that people said to me that that encouraged me or hurt me and journaling little inspirational scriptures. And um, eventually I I did find ladies-in-waiting. I did find some really good friends to walk me through that season of life. And when I came out on the other side, I realized that, uh, boy, I really wanted to find a way to create a larger community of women and reach out to them through the written word. So that's how I got started in publishing. And so was your first book The Lost Diaries of Queen Esther? Well, my first book was with Steve Arterburn, and it was Moments for Couples Who Long for Children. Steve Arterburn, if you don't know, founded the Women of Faith Conferences, and he is a relationship expert that's been on Oprah Uh several times. So he's a great guy, but he's also experienced a lot of infertility and miscarriages with his wife. So he Uh helped me get my first book published. And from there, um, you know, the funny thing about publishing is uh, they want to sell the book before you've written it. So um, before the ink was dry, literally on the first deal, they said, come up with an idea and we'll sell it. And you know, I had never written a book. I'd certainly never written a novel, but I pitched the idea of writing a novel based on Queen Esther, and the publisher bought it. Well, and and I've got to tell you guys that I didn't I didn't realize that Ginger had started writing. I don't even know how I came across the book. It's it's called Chosen, and Ginger wrote it as fiction, but it's written based on the story of Queen Esther of the Bible. And as you're reading it. You you get partway through it and you think, it, is this factual? Because she has such amazing detail and and her ability to weave in the story uh, is, is just spectacular. And recently, I was watching uh, A Night with the King, uh, you know, which is a, a mm-hmm. movie that had come out some time ago uh, about Esther, and it wasn't even as detailed as your story. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to make sure to post that on our our, uh, Executive Girlfriends Group bookstore because if you guys need a good novel to read, uh, I mean, you wouldn't think that biblical history would be uh, this, uh, uh, you know, just pulling you in, but I couldn't put it down. Oh, uh, I'm so glad you said that. 
Well, and I got back in touch with you or tried to get back mm-hmm. with, in touch with you at that time. I don't think Facebook was was around at that time. So, uh, you know, had had a little bit of difficulty finding you, but uh when when I did get connected back with you and saw that you had written a women's path to inner beauty, um I just got so excited and I thought, "Okay, well, let's hear about the others." So, tell me about some of the other books. Well, when I was working on the novel Chosen, which, by the way, and this is shameless self-promotion, but it has been nominated for the Christie Literary Award. So um, the ceremony is, gosh, in a few weeks here in Atlanta, so I'm working out feverishly trying to get my arms ready for a sleeveless dress for the ceremony. Um, So I'm excited about that. But when I was working on that, I love history, and I really wanted to understand everything about the culture of ancient Persia. And if you don't know the story of Esther, um, she was a real woman in history. She was an orphan in the Persian kingdom, and this is just before the time of Alexander the Great. And the, the king that ruled at that time was a guy named Xerxes, and he brought all the young virgins into his harem, and he would sleep with a different one every night. And that's where the story really starts to take off, but... He asked that every girl spend one year receiving beauty treatments before she could be presented to him. And this is about 2,000 years before Christ. So I was trying to figure out what were they using for beauty treatments 3,000 years ago. I just That just seemed so bizarre to me. So I started doing some digging, working through archaeological records, um, museum curators, anyone who had a little piece of the puzzle. And eventually I assembled what would have been a daily beauty regimen for an ancient woman. And then I went to all the top doctors in the States. I went to Dr. 90210 and chemists and beauty experts and uh, executives, and I said, this is what an ancient woman would have been using for her beauty regimen. Could you still do it today? And, you know, every single expert, bar none, said, not only could you, you probably should, and it would work better than anything you could buy commercially. <laughs> so it, it was fascinating to find that you know, simple things like honey and olive oil are still being used today by the high-end spas. And uh, so it was, neat. it was also neat to understand in the ancient world, women viewed beauty very differently. They saw it as a very spiritual thing. You know, t- modern women say, I'm a spirit who lives in the body. But a, an ancient woman would not have understood that. They didn't believe that there was any such thing as a spirit that could reside in the body. They just believed it was all connected. So anything you did in your beauty regimen had some kind of spiritual impact. And you know, whatever you did at church or at your temple in your worship service, that would show somehow in your appearance. Very interesting. Oh, yeah. I, I really loved it. And I loved the idea in the ancient world, there was a very strong connection between beauty and a community of women. And there's a story in the book of Exodus when God led the people out of slavery in Egypt. He asked them to build a tabernacle. It was the first place that people would come and worship him at. And the Bible lists all the different donations that went into the tabernacle, but the Bible says women donated their mirrors. And I thought that was so fascinating. I thought, why would the Bible specifically call out mirrors being a donation just of the women? So I went to ask a rabbi who's an expert in history. I said, okay, now, I'm an American and I'm a Christian, so I have a very you know, distinct view of ancient history. But 
I mean, if I was an, an ancient woman, if I was an ancient Hebrew woman, what would it have meant to me to donate my mirror to the tabernacle? <laughs> and he told me the most interesting story. He said, you know, well, if you remember, of course, that in slavery, I mean, the men were being treated like animals and abused. And he said, the Jewish midrash, that is our collective wisdom, we have always taught this story to the girls. And we tell them that at that time, the women made a pact with each other that without even saying a word, they would just make themselves beautiful so that when their husbands came home after a day of being abused and whipped and scourged and treated like animals, the women could communicate without using their voice that, no, you are honored and you are esteemed in my sight. And beauty will not be about competition between women, but beauty will only be about a community of women serving others. And that's the ancient view of beauty. It's not about what I can get, but it's really about how can I give my best to you. Wow. So tell me what what the next book was that you wrote. Um, from Well, you know, from there I went on, I wrote another novel, Dark Hour, which is the story of Queen Jezebel's daughter, Athaliah. Um, I didn't realize Jezebel had a daughter, but she did. And she didn't turn out very well which is not surprising considering her mother. <laughs> well, Jezebel, <laughs> she wasn't so hot either. <laughs> no, no. Um, but the publisher um, went belly up in their fiction line, so I quickly jumped houses. And I wrote Beauty Secrets of the Bible, which is just really all the research that went into the book about Esther. And I spell it out in great detail what the uh-huh. women were using and why. And, and after that, a, a publisher approached me and asked me just to write devotions related to the idea of spirit and beauty. And coming out this fall, I have the novel of Samson and Delilah. Oh, really? Oh, What's that gosh. one going to be called? Desired. Oh, it's so much fun. I mean, what a great campy story. <laughs> and so how did you do your research for that one? Well, my husband would like to claim credit for Samson, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, really, it, it goes back to um, pulling from any source that might have a piece of the puzzle, and um, the uh, biblical archaeology archives are a big resource. Um, Professor John Walton is a fabulous resource at, at Wheaton College. He has worked with me in the past and has written several just amazing books. Um, so really, it's, it's not one place, unfortunately. You really have to go to a hundred or more different books to find out the, everything about the culture. And, and to me, and I think it was the story really was you know, in mythology, really, the mythology we have as women. We see Delilah as an evil seductress. But when you look at Scripture, it never says that she seduced Samson. It never says that she um, you know, used her feminine wiles to get what she wanted. Uh, the story is really just more heartbreaking and plaintive than that. So really wanted to get to the heart of, you know, what happens when a broken woman meets a broken man? Wow. And so you did, uh, you wrote a book this, I think it was this spring, Wolves Among Among Us? Yeah, yeah, that one just came out. And um, I wanted to look at some different points in church history where the church went fundamentally wrong and uh, explore what happened. And Wolves Among Us looks at the witch hunts in Germany. Really, of course, they spread all throughout Europe, but they began in Germany in the early 1500s. So I wanted to understand 
what went wrong? I mean, how did a church of a supposedly loving God turn around and burn thousands of women and young girls at the stake for the false crime of witchcraft? Wow. Yeah. And I'm just looking at some of your other titles. I'm I'm adding them all to the Egg Bookstore so that everybody can get at them. Um, Arms of Immortals, In the Arms of Immortals. That's in the same series. The Wolves series, uh, book is the last book of a three-part series. The first was In the Shadow of Lions, and that is the true story of Anne Boleyn. And, of course, the Tudors have been uh, very much in popular culture the last few years with the Philippa right. Gregory novels, um, the, Boleyn, the other Boleyn Girl, and the Tudor series on Showtime. But what no one really knows about Anne Boleyn is that she was a passionate believer and she was smuggling money to William Tyndale, and he was the guy, the very first guy, to translate the whole Bible into English. Now, that was punishable by death, and he was executed for that crime. She, however, was so bold, she was so insistent that women had the right to read. Now, I'll tell you, if a woman was caught reading the Bible, she was burned at the stake, and women did lose their lives. Even grandmothers lost their lives. But Anne Boleyn picked up that black market copy of the Bible and she put it in the palace and she commanded her servant girls to read it. So really, it was Anne Boleyn who gave women the legal right to read because King Henry did turn around a few years later and make it legal for women to read for the first time in history. She gave us the right to read and she gave us the right to read the Bible, which gave us really religious freedom. So... I really wanted to explore that side of Anne Boleyn that we really don't hear a lot about. And then the second book, In the Arms of Immortals, I wanted to look at the period of the Black Death when the you know the worst natural disaster to ever hit mankind sweeps across the world. And really, the church is powerless to stop it, and the church really doesn't have any answers for how could a loving God allow so much tragedy and suffering? Right. And so the Serpent Moon Trilogy, um, that began with the dark... Uh, I'm sorry, I just went to the wrong page, so now no, I can't... No, yeah, it. you're right. It began with Dark Hour, the story of Jezebel's daughter, but the publisher went belly up. So the the next two books in that series were, um, were to be the Delilah book and Jezebel's story. And um, another right. publisher did buy the rights, and they are the ones that start releasing those two books this fall. Got it. Got it. Well, did I miss any important... Oh, I see another one here. Queen Esther's Secrets of Womanhood, a Biblical Rite of Passage for Your Daughter. Yeah, you know, that one was a lot of fun. I was. I have been spending so much time in the Jewish community, um, you know, just really trying to understand uh, Scripture from their perspective because I think it's it's so easy when you're writing in a, in a, a time period to bring your sort of western christian american perspective and it's it's hard to shed all that and have an ancient jewish perspective on scripture so eventually i I was spending so much time around everybody i just got jealous i thought it's not fair that in the jewish culture they have all these cool rite of passage ceremonies and wouldn't it be great if we had one for our daughters because you know and i don't know about you but i feel like there are women in my family who have so much knowledge and wisdom and now that I'm an adult, I would, I regret so much that I didn't have a more formal 
way to receive that wisdom, particularly from my great-grandmother and my grandmother. And um, so really this is more a formal way for an older woman to sort of initiate a young girl into this is what it means to be a woman, this is what it means to me, this is my history, and this is what I want to pass down to you. Very interesting. Well, I have just added all those books, to, including the one that is coming out this fall, because it looks like that can be pre, pre-ordered, right? Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, we, we have a bookstore um, on the Executive Girlfriends Group uh, site so that, that uh, people can check out our authors. So, Ginger, what, what was your favorite out of, out of all of these? I, I know you, you've had so many fascinating projects. Mm. And then I'd like you to tell us just a little bit about uh, A Woman's Path to Inner Beauty. Gosh, I, you know, I don't know. I would have I, really. It's whatever one I've turned in and I'm done with. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I can absolutely understand that statement. <laughs> oh, and I'll tell you one you should put in your bookstore. I'm so excited about this. It's a book that I collaborated on for celebrity stylist Michelle Phillips. She is uh-huh. one of the Phillips girls, you know, from uh, the Wilson Phillips, you know, right. China Phillips. She is one of the girls. She's a celebrity stylist who works with everyone from Katie Couric to Kobe Calais and uh, just so many people. She has perfected a system to help any woman. You walk into a store and you feel like you have your own celebrity expert stylist with you. And her method of dressing a woman is so profound and so beautiful. She walks you through this process of sort of understanding who you are on the inside. And then when when you're done with her book... You have a card that you can put in your purse that's literally a blueprint for everything you should be looking for. So if you see something on sale and you're not sure about it, you look at your blueprint to decide, does it really fit? So the title of the book is The Beauty Blueprint from Michelle Phillips. And I think it's going to be a huge bestseller. Wow. Just a phenomenal system. I'm looking for it. And and, she is a fantastic, fantastic speaker. She's been speaking right now with Sigourney Weaver, and just I learned so much from working with her. All right, great. Oh, and that one's out already. I, well, I think it technically. Oh no, it says the title has not yet been released. You may yeah. pre-order it, it, it now, but yeah. it doesn't have a date. Yeah, it's coming up just after summer, I believe. Oh, great, great. Well, does anybody have any questions or comments for Ginger? Uh, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit more about a woman's path to inner beauty, but I, I want to allow them to interject here as well. Don't forget to take your phone off of mute. But this is Jennifer, and it was delightful to hear so many different um, resources as well as novels and just um, kind of a compilation of so many different sources. I can't wait to go check out more of your books. It's more of a oh. comment than a question. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much. That's encouraging. <laughs> well, it was just, it was delightful. I didn't really um, see what the, what the call was about. I was just excited I could be on it. And it was just um, coming from a, a kind of a mishmash of different things in history. It was really cool how you weave those together. And I love um, the Bronte sisters and all that kind of stuff. So to hear the historical perspective and the, the um the writing of women and the empowering and all of that it just 
spoke very, very, very deeply to me. So thank you. Oh, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Well, great. So, oh, did somebody else have a comment or a question? Don't want to cut you short. So, Ginger, um, coming to to the book that that I had showcased for today, A Woman's Path to Inner Beauty, tell us how you went about writing this. Because, you know, every time I look at at books that, that are devotionals, I think, you know, wow, is this something that you do, uh, you know, again, from from uh, your journal? You know, do you talk to other people? How how do you come up with with all of the, the stories and, and the various um, topics? Well, um, I do travel across the country speaking frequently on beauty and um, certainly working with some of the celebrities, especially working on the Michelle Phillips book, going behind the scenes with some of the well-known celebrities, uh, topics really just present themselves around the idea of what is beauty and how do we connect beauty and spirit. And for me, growing up, um, I just felt so damaged in a way because I had believed that beauty was an external process. Beauty was something that I could actually buy, and I always felt kind of disconnected from it. Um, and then when I went back and began studying sort of the ancient mindset of, particularly in the Hebrew world, of what beauty was, that beauty was a spiritual exercise and beauty was perfected through love of others. And I thought, wow, you know, what a great way to reclaim that. So I had the, all these ideas milling about in my head, and I got stranded in an airport. And lo and behold, I looked over, and I see um, – an editor from a publisher that I had met just briefly, and she was stranded. She was trying to get on the same flight, and all the flights were sold out. So um, my husband knew someone that worked inside the airline. So while she was frantically trying to get us out on the next flight, this editor and I were stranded for probably about six hours and had a great chance to sort of talk through some of the ideas, and the book came out of that. Wow. Well, I I have just started to dig into it, and I am um, I'm going to put it by my bedside because at night, you know, I I have got so much going on in my my life during the day. Just having a way to quiet my brain down before I go to bed uh, would be just a wonderful way to use this book. Yeah. You know, I always tell my husband, I don't wake up. I feel like I get shot out of a cannon every morning. <laughs> you know, the days are just so fast and frantic it, it is a blessing i think just to quiet our minds before we go to sleep now do you have uh, other children other than your son i do i have a, a son who's 11 and a half a daughter who's nine and my third uh, child is another girl who is seven okay so now you have to help us connect the dots because the you started your story today telling us that the doctor told you that you could never have mm. children yep it took uh, several years, about three years. Um, I don't even know how many surgeries, uh, and I stopped counting injections at 200. So oh, hundreds gosh. of injections, probably 12 surgeries, I would guess. But uh-huh. I was able to have uh, my first child, and um, then I, you know, with the same sort of technical assistance, I went on to have several more. And I, my funniest memory out of it all was when I was getting ready to have my son. We were in a childbirth class, and our childbirth instructor just insisted that no one should be in the room when you give birth except your husband. And she said, look, I can prove it to you. And she looked at me. She said, how many people were in the room when you got pregnant? And I said, seven. But <laughs> one just came in. I didn't really know her. 
<laughs> oh, that is so funny because this actually the story about the day of me going uh, to have the foot reflexology. My husband was supposed to be out of town, and we were actually going to have him on the cell phone <laughs> uh, remotely. And I thought, what a great story that would be if you got pregnant, you know, uh, over a cell phone. <laughs> Think of the horror stories you could tell your daughter. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Well, Ginger, it has been just terrific, and and uh, I just shared with everyone the link to the page that I just built with all of your, uh, both the novels and, and the books about beauty, and I uh, just really encourage our listeners to uh, to dive in, and, and uh, if you do like historical novels, uh, The Lost Diaries of Queen Esther is just knock your socks off good so uh and i can't wait to get some of the others and carolyn they are available on kindle some of them so uh i'm i'm going to do that as well well ginger thank you so so much you are welcome to join us any friday we have a special guest every single friday at four o'clock and um if if Patty were here, she would tell me who our next guest is. Uh, she may still be on the phone. I don't have it right in front of me right now. But at any rate, we have just so enjoyed having you today. And uh, I am going to go ahead and turn off the recording now because the rest of the call is just sharing amongst uh, the folks who are live on the call today. And we like to keep all of that private. So Thanks again, and for those of you who are listening to this on demand, uh, join us again soon for an egg call. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.